from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Welcome to this Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry Gruber. And this is a very exciting Michelle. <laughs> This is Mark. Wow, I just things just receded in me after her. <laughs> anyway, I'm so starstruck. <laughs> I can't believe I used my last name. I know. What's up with that? that? So weird. I'm weird sometimes. <laughs> so today we have an auspicious sometimes. Ooh, gotcha. <laughs> right below my belt. In my in mind. Uh, so today we have a. I got. I was gonna call him a special guest, but all of our guests are special, aren't they? Aww. Aww. Yeah. Let's not let's not create a class war among the tiny house. <laughs> Podcast guests. Today we have Zach Griff- Griffin. 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 Damn it. <laughs> Keeping it's in all right. The- you can call me Griffin. Thank you. That's probably happened Thanks, before. Yes. Well, you know, we have a tradition here of Perry always butchering the guest's name. So Which, you know, we heighten that level of professionalism <laughs> as much as we can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, welcome to the show. All right. Well, thanks. Glad to be here. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle's very happy to have you here. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, it's a big treat for me to talk with Michelle as well because Aww. we had a good time at the Jamboree. Nice. Yeah, did. Uh, yeah and I just appreciate what you guys do. So thank you. Happy so to be a part of it. Yeah. So um, everybody probably knows you from Tiny House Nation, but we're not wanting to talk about that. Okay. We're wanting to talk about. Wow, he was so amenable to that. <laughs> I, I thought for sure. <laughs> exactly. First, they mentioned the name, then no tiny house. <laughs> awesome. Glad I'm here. Anyway. We actually want to talk about um, the work you're doing to advocate for the move-in. All right. Sounds great. Awesome. So, why don't you uh, give us a little lowdown? What are you doing? Well, I mean, I guess I just look at it as kind of um, just a responsibility of somebody that's been put into kind of a place of media exposure to represent the movement in the light that I think, I mean, there's no collective consensus, but as, as best as I can to put together what our general motivations are and then present that in, you know, the most re- well-received package possible. I love that. We're going we're gonna to get more into, into more detail about this work that you're doing relevant to a most recent event that Michelle clued me in on. But I want to ask you, before that, how what were you doing before Tiny House Nation and your involvement in Tiny Houses um, that that got you where you are today? Well, that's a very good question. I, I have a lot of those. That's <laughs> <laughs> what in a big box. <laughs> I mean, I had built a tiny house with my girlfriend at the time and in collaboration with a ski sponsor. And kind of what I saw in it is that I had already kind of owned a bunch of different rigs like vans and RVs. And so I was well immersed in the whole process of kind of downsizing your life so that you can upscale your adventure within the world. Oh, I love that. And to me, the tiny house was this like next step in that process that I didn't look at it as like downsizing at all. I looked at it as this kind of upscaling, you know, of giving me the advantages that I was looking for from those other um, kind of living options, but doing it in a classier way that I could feel more proud of. And where did you get your, so, so you, you, you found your way into tiny houses in the way you just described, but you, you must've been doing something that developed the mad skills you have as a builder. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I was a ski bum and 
pretty much if you talk to ski bums, they'll tell you it's a, it's a gateway drug to carpentry. <laughs> so I needed a, uh, I needed an occupation that allowed me to take off a lot of time in the winter and a lot of kind of uh, <laughs> occupations that will actually pay the bills. They don't let you. It's kind of a full year round commitment. Right. And so that's why carpentry and construction appealed to me as well as the town that I came from. I would say probably at least 50% of the men who had families in that town were all involved in construction. Um, at least 50. So it was very just natural place to go during high school. I did landscaping, um, and then after high school, my good buddy, my basically my older brother's best friend, kind of started moving into contracting, and I worked for him. I see. So and, it was you, great. I mean, it's um, being in Colorado, there was a lot of really cool houses. We got to work with some cool architects, and I got to see a lot of different styles of construction. And then also my friend, he kind of, I always was a bit of an artist. I could I could draw pretty well, and so when I started working for him, he always wanted me to kind of, he wanted to push me in the direction of doing the fine finish work. Okay. So from an early age, I kind of got like some exposure to that and really attached to it. Awesome. And can you say where that town was, or are you purposely being? Uh, No, that's Gold Hill, Colorado. I'm extremely proud of it because it's just a lovely place to grow up, and it's filled with really great people. And there's an old school there that's the longest continually running elementary school in Colorado, and uh, it's, it was just a really great experience. Do you want to, did you go to that school? Yeah, I did. Do you want to give a shout out? To Gold Hill Elementary School? Yeah. yeah. Sounds Woo! like you just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. no, no, I mean, it, it is great, and I think one thing that was good about it was it was a bit detached from, like, the front range, so it was a little more rural, it was mountains, but at the same time, Going into being like a young adult, there was definitely opportunity in terms of jobs because there was, you know, larger cities closer by. Great. So I, I, I promised, or I said we wouldn't talk about Tiny House Nation. but We I, have to a little. I, I just have to ask at least one question, and that's how did you, how did you get from, from um, all these different living modes to... I think I know where you're going. Thank you. <laughs> you don't need to be here, Perry. <laughs> in media a little bit, you know, as a skier. You know, I was kind of like following this dream of turning skiing into somewhat of an occupation, more of a subsidy. Um, (laughs) But what it really turned into was kind of being involved in media. And my little brother and I worked together a lot. And when I built the tiny house, he actually worked with my sponsor to kick out a film called Live in Tiny. And it's about 20 minutes. And it's, you know, I'm super proud of it because it's, Something that I actually, you know, a project that really I put a lot into to make happen. And then my little brother got to come along and then did a, just a beautiful film out of the whole thing. And so, cool. you know, that is, uh, it was my brother and I got to collaborate and my girlfriend and it was just really cool. So that film really kind of allowed me to have something to show. Um, and that is what kind of like maybe got me connected with the show. But what really ended up happening was I got an email from somebody with showing this casting call and it basically like described the person they were looking for. And it's like, okay, if your, you know, first name is Z and your last name is G and you have 11 and you like lived in a tiny house and you are a carpenter and, you know, it was just listing out like basically everything of who I was. So, awesome. um, the email came through as like, Hey Zach, I think they're looking for you. Wow. Yeah, I responded to that, and 
it was really, really quick. It was like, you know, all right, I didn't hear from him. And then I did hear from him. And then it was a series of interviews. And then it was just flying right out to Boston to uh, just begin the craziness. And now it's coming up. That was, uh, that was the end of March. Uh, two years ago, so, and this is I'm almost up on two years, and it's been basically nonstop construction and travel. Wow! Luckily, I get to work with some really cool people on the crew, and all the people that we get to go build with the builders around the country are just awesome. And uh, just every single time, come away feeling like I've made close friends. And then, and on top of that, I get to build tiny houses. Yeah. And each tiny house, because it's television, they have to be unique. And that's just such a pleasure to, as a carpenter, to be able to participate in projects that mandate creativity and um, and also just, you know, the, the fun of building a tiny house, I think, is really great as a builder just because the project is a little bit more condensed yeah. and get to work through a lot of the stages of construction in a, in a more condensed time frame. So... Basically, the gist of it is you don't end up just kind of doing siding for two weeks until you're going to bang your head against the wall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, that, and I think it's a fantastic thing for people who aren't into construction mm-hmm. to get into just as a learning tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, specifically because of that, because when I was learning home construction, it was like, you know, we're going on homes that we're remodeling so we're tearing them down we're doing the entire process which is really great learning but you got to stick it out for 10 months to make it through the entire thing right and then by the time you start the next one it's like everything is kind of a little bit unfresh so with tiny houses it's just beautiful because you go through all those steps in the process the same way you're doing the framing you're putting in electrical you're thinking about the plumbing um, you're dealing with the foundation you're taking it all the way through the finish and, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, doing them in three weeks. Wow. And then you can get right back into it and apply all that learning right to the next one. Nice. So you were talking about working with cool people. Um, I'm going to play a little sound bite here and let's see if you can uh, recognize it. Oh. That's too low. It's, he can't hear it. Oh, you can't hear can it? Can you hear that? Uh-oh. I know. I know what that is. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna, we'll post definitely post a, a, a link to it. Um, this is this is the the next one of the next uh, episodes coming up on Tiny House Nation. It's a you built a, a tiny house with uh, for Little John. Um, yep. I'm thinking he's probably on the list of cool people. Um, you want to do some name dropping? Uh, well, I'll speak to Little John being cool. I mean, he is awesome. <laughs> like you know, I think that that's what happens a lot of times when you meet. People that are, like, celebrities. I mean, I haven't met a lot of celebrities that I just, like, didn't come come off well with. And that's partially because I think I like people, but um, <laughs> it's also because I find out these guys are way more human and they have real interesting lives yeah. that got them to the place where they are. Yeah. And uh, Little John is no different. And when you go and meet him, you, you meet, actually, John Smith, nice. who is, you know, a different person than than his persona of his Little John. And he's very, very intelligent, really, really great music producer. And uh, that's a lot of what people don't quite realize a lot of times is that these people are really multifaceted. And I was super impressed with Lil John, And I had a super fun time building him a house. And then we got to actually film a promo for the next season, which is basically a music video yeah. uh, that was us just kind of like celebrating the next season coming up. And... 
Um, it was just ridiculous and fun. <laughs> they had a mosh pit. Yeah. Mosh yeah. Pit. It was just like a dance yeah. party in a tiny house. It you know, like and you guys it was, were having a blast. Yeah. It, it really was. It was super fun producing it. Um, something I never thought that I would ever, you know, be like would happen to me in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know that and, uh, and, but then I will speak to also just working for little John in terms of, you know, it is for one, it's not going to be one of the first upcoming shows. It's, you know, we've filmed a whole lot of episodes that haven't released, so I don't know when it's going to come out, but it's going to be really fun. But I will say that, you know, it is a bit of a question when you're kind of going into a project like that because it's very much a detachment, I think, from, you know, really the mentality and the stated goal of Tiny Homes. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's obvious that, you know, Little John's not moving into a little, into a tiny house. Right. And so <laughs> what we're doing is building a tiny house in his backyard that, like, helps his life kind of work in terms of the amount of people that he has coming into his property and then also turn it into a um, in, into a, a recording studio. Nice. So he's got like you know a guest room. His son is getting older, and uh, I think that yeah, I, and I think really what it what it comes down to is that tiny houses aren't one thing to everyone, but for most of us, it's about finding solutions for housing for people who maybe are underserved as well as providing solutions for housing for people that are trying to return to sanity in terms of, you know, how we're living our lives and, and the contribution that we're having to both society and our planet. You're here. A rapper returning to sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do believe it. I, I think awesome. like, that's how I talk about it when it's, you know, um, you know, you, you talk to people and they just think that tiny houses is totally insane. And you, you really, it's, it's, a, it's the, best way for me to approach it is to contrast it with the insanity is of how our current housing process is working and the direction it's been going in such a long time and kind of looking at the sustainability of that direction and then the value for our country of kind of finding a new path yeah yeah and uh and i think our country has great incentive to look at different options um because we have some issues going on yeah and and we're not solving them by just continuing down the same path. Right. Um, One of the things you do, Zach, that, that I love in watching the show, and it's, it's frankly the thing that I'm waiting for in the show to happen, is when you build and do that unique thing for the tiny house owners, the thing that they don't know about, where you get to kind of unleash your creativity, and it's just a huge surprise, obviously for the viewers too, but for the homeowners. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of the one where the guy that was like six foot ten, and you had the, you know, the, the tub that was covered, and so he could actually stand up in it, even though he was sure, yeah. ten feet, you know, within underneath the tiny house, basically. Um, can you can you kind of talk a little bit about that that not only in how you do it, but but how uh, how do you kind of build that into the to the shows each time? Sure. Um, well, I think on, on some levels, tiny houses in, in the construction is just a, it's like a Tetris puzzle of how to fit everything that you want into that size of a space. And so right there, you have this kind of incentive for creativity that doesn't happen in a larger space because 
there's just no mandate for it because you can always have a desk right next to your couch, right next to your table, right next, you know. Yeah. Right. And there's no reason to make these pieces kind of function, you know, within um, as a system together. Uh, and basically, for me, it's the funnest part of what I get to do. Yeah. You know, I love to build the tiny houses. I love like just general construction. But I think for anybody who's involved in um, in just home building, there's always these pieces to the projects that are just really enjoyable because of the artistic nature um, and because maybe you get to take a little bit of more time on it. You're not being rushed and you get to kind of just prioritize the, the beauty of, of what you're doing. And I think that that's why people are in general are drawn to finished carpentry. Right. So what I'm doing is just, it's just the same thing only because it's a television show. And I think I've just kind of set myself up like this is that, each, each project has to have this kind of unique multi-purpose that ties it back to construction of tiny houses. Sure. Um, and for whatever reason, that's just that's the path that our show is taken, mostly because I think that that's just what I enjoy to do the most. Right, and I think and that it, really shows in the show. That's why it's such a highlight. I do know that he has some crazy, crazy dance songs that make people like really want to move and in my mind that's a good thing i don't really dissect the lyrics completely sure. but i do know that he's he's really helped to uh you know facilitate dance parties all over the world and i think that's just awesome. a great thing in general but, no no I, there, there's no it was strictly you know him and his and his needs in terms of uh balancing his property with his wife and yep. his 17 year old son that's yep. growing up and needing more space and okay. um and then also his need to not be commuting all the time to work. He wanted to bring his work to his home. Yep. And I think that that's a, you know, something that's happening, you know, within the world in general because of the Internet. So, uh, so um, on the other side of that conversation, uh, he has, you know, as a member of the African-American community, he has, he probably will have some impact on or some effect on African-Americans being more interested in, tiny houses and on the converse side of that i understand that you were on the steve harvey show for a particular uh, reason do you want to talk about that or should we yeah okay yeah. um so tell us you know, what happened. I, I think just in general with with little john that's what i love about it that's what i love is that he does um he does influence a different kind of demographic or a different audience mm -hmm. than would kind of tune into a show strictly about John and I. Right. And so for me, like, it, um, it takes it right back into my job or my role as kind of, you know, an advocate for the movement is that that's what I, what I hope to do is I hope to bring it in an appealing way. And I'm not saying just tiny houses in particular, but the mentality surrounding minimalism, surrounding conservation, surrounding kind of the, the, belief of the definition of happiness um all of these like thought processes that come along with tiny houses and and that's what i believe is so beautiful about me my or what i can do with tiny houses i don't have to be real preachy about these messages i can just build the tiny houses and allow the conversations to begin and i think that working with little john's obviously going to allow us to bring those conversations into new households in new places Absolutely. and um and so that's what's great about it you know on the flip side there is i think stigma that's 
you know, has it's long rooted in our country that drives large portions of our population to completely not understand tiny houses at all. Yeah. And it's often kind of, um, it's, is approached with real sarc- sarcasm and dismissal. And, and I think that that is what you're referring to in terms of the, uh, the Steve Harvey show. Yeah. So, um, so the, so flesh it out, tell it so that I don't know what we're going to do here in the production side, but we're contemplating getting this episode out before that show comes out. And so mm-hmm. yeah, we, can you, can you, for the listeners, paint the picture, what happened and then what did you do? And then what's the result? Well, I think, I think Steve Harvey, he's a comedian and he, um, is kind of like looking at tiny houses from an outside perspective and seeing the, the real, um, maybe the sacrifice and, and focusing on the sacrifice and finding it just really crazy that people are looking at doing this. And when all we look at is just the sheer, um, uh, just the act of moving into a small space and we don't include, uh, the environment that leads people to make these decisions then maybe it looks crazy. But when you include the environment that we have in this world, in, the, in our country, that is leading more and more people to feel unserved when it comes to housing, you know, and just housing being less and less accessible, as well as, you know, this environmental solution or situation, just all these kind of factors that are causing people to think about tiny houses as a solution, when you don't include those elements in your thought process about it, it can seem pretty, pretty crazy. Right. And so that's why I'm thinking, you know, Steve Harvey is a comedian trying to make his show funny, trying to make, you know, like things move on. He's not trying to like do people big harm. Right. And I think what he's doing is he's touching into the mainstream uncomprehension of what this is all about. Okay. That's a, that's a very generous way of putting Putting <laughs> so so, how did you end up getting on his show? Well, you, I mean, I, I'm gonna just say you have to, you have to um, think that the audience was laughing along with him. Well, you yeah, know, it's this, it's not like he's putting out comedy that is just going on dead ears. It's well, like this is, this is. There's a reason that the mainstream of our country is looking at this as humorous. Yes, and it, it not well. I would say ridiculous, not humorous. And sure, and sure. So the, or and, possibly humorous. I mean, it, yes, his entire thing was not meant to be harmful. It was meant to be funny. Correct, and and he's he his the humor of what he said comes into comes into play because the main what you're pointing to the mainstream culture um, is still wrapped up in. Biggest house possible, the most toys before I die. Most expensive car. Most expensive blah, blah, car, blah. all of that. Especially, if I may say, being African American, the black community is really tied up in that stuff. Sure. And so when Steve Harvey says what he says, it's funny because it resonates like, yeah, who the hell wants to live in a tiny house, brother? Like that, right? And so, and so. <laughs> I think that's the first time he's ever like said brother. Yeah, don't get, don't, don't get my colloquial <laughs> we, coming we, out. We could really fire <laughs> And listen, I don't think that we have to uh, limit it to the African American population of our country. I mean, this is this is a mainstream. Absolutely. You know, this is the same same mentality that drives the viewership numbers on the Kardashian show. Exactly. You know, exactly. Right, you're right. not going to penetrate that mentality unless you actually explain the circumstances that lead people to make this decision. Yep. So is, is that what you did when you went on the show? That's what I tried to do. And I, and I think like, you know, 
I'm not going to be the person that comes up there with a lot of anger and tries to tell, you know, tell Steve Harvey off. I was literally just looking at it as my job to explain the, the other elements that go into this thought process to kind of address some of the points that he made, which was really, you know, it, it, he kind of made my argument for me because he's talking about, uh, it being stupid to save for 40 years so that you can pay for this house when it's a teeny little house. And it's right there, that mentality. It's like, yeah, to work your entire life, to pay for a tiny house is not the whole point, right? And we're getting back. We're stepping away from saying, hey, my life is all about paying for my house. Right, right. And then he made another point of saying that, you know, it's, it's people are without faith and have lost sight of their dreams. And what we're trying to say is that, no, there's something called dreaming of a different thing besides just material wealth. Yeah. Dreaming of a life where it is spent in terms of the time you spend on this planet as um, you get to be as appreciative as possible for it. Um, and, and really kind of just what we're talking about when we say making the most out of life. And I don't think many people feel like when they just live to pay their mortgage and spend their entire life providing this, you know, family nest that may be larger than is necessary, that that's a good use of their life. Awesome. And so the, um, do you think you made it? So, so, well, I'm, I'm so I think on. I made it. In fact, I really yeah. don't know. I'm, <laughs> you never know. You go out on stage like that and your mouth starts, you know, words start coming out of you. <laughs> what is even said. Yeah. You know that people, like, whether or not they kind of get it and, and feel like they received your message, then that's all you can do. Well, yeah. I, I hemmed and hawed because the audience that was at the show is not the people you're talking to. You're t- talking to the people who are on the other side of the television screen. Right. So you don't really know whether you made an you don't know effect. How the watchers take it exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, but I can tell we tell you that we made an effect on Steve Harvey. Good, you know, and I can tell you that he definitely got it that he took it too far, um, and uh, he was did a great thing in terms of taking the the power of his show to kind of get messages out there. Yeah. And after he's kind of perpetuated one side of the message, at least giving us an opportunity to kind of go out there and, and, and point to a count, counter perspective. And I can just hope that, you know, I was the one that got invited and I take that responsibility seriously. Sweet. And I don't know if I necessarily did a great job, but I definitely tried and I definitely, in my mentality, try to go into an understanding that I'm a representative of a lot of different people in this movement that really would love the opportunity to go on there and, and tell Steve Harvey how they really felt about his rant. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. So do you know when the show is going to air? No, I know it was going to be right before our premiere, which is coming up uh, on the 26th, so in 10 days. Okay. It's going to be the start of the next season of Tiny House Nation, and I believe it's going to be like the next week is when it's coming on, so probably, yeah, in two weeks from now. Okay. But I can't. I don't know the date. Nobody's. Okay. Okay. Cool. So. Um, so um, I imagine you probably don't have time to spend a lot of time on social media. Um, the the original Steve Harvey video really really blew up. You know, Twitter and Facebook and and yep. Instagram and everything else. So um, there was a lot of really really good discussion. You're right. That came about as a, as a part of that. And I just wanted to, on behalf of the tiny house movement, 
Um, I'm maybe overstepping my position a little bit, but on behalf of the tiny house movement, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't think of probably a more level-headed, easygoing, um, really funny artistic guy to represent the movement at that at that scale. And um, I haven't even seen it yet, but um, you, you may understate whether or not you made an impact, but at the very least, I think, um, I, I want to thank you for taking your time and doing that and... and um, I'm pretty sure you you uh, represented us very well. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I will see when it comes out. And I'm sure every time you go into a situation like that, you definitely go off stage thinking about the things you didn't say. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's all you think about. But this time there was less stuff that I got that I felt like I didn't get to say. But then again, it's television. You never know what makes the edit. Yeah, so it's right. going to be something. I guarantee there's going to be some... You know, some opinions expressed that are going to surprise people, and yeah, I hope I hope it has an impact. Um, I, w I will say I don't have a whole lot of time left, but I really do feel like there's some really cool things going on in our country that would be worth talking about. I don't know if you are very much, but in terms of the legislation and the um, uh, different different municipalities kind of looking at opening up to tiny houses and how to do that. And I would definitely say, you probably have whole podcasts about it, but what Fresno's done is pretty remarkable and I think needs a lot of discussion. Well, do you have a, do you have a person you'd recommend we talk to there? Me. But <laughs> 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 I gotta go. Exactly. All I can tell you is that what I see them doing is really beautiful for a lot of reasons. Um, and... The difference, I don't know how much you know about it, but the difference is that they're allowing tiny houses on wheels specifically to be used as uh, secondary permanent dwelling units on properties of 6,000 feet, 6,000 square feet or more. Um, and where I see this going is kind of in, it's, it's kind of like talking about how we going, if, if tiny houses are going to have more broad acceptance how we go about kind of um, pushing towards what those rules look like and, and kind of talking about how that goes forward. And I think that it has a lot to do with whether or not tiny houses are going to be able to be kind of a viable option for housing in the future. Yeah. Um, but basically what Fresno's done, in my mind, is very, very important and is setting a precedence that if it works could be used as a as a template for other cities to also address some of the same issues that Fresno is. I, I okay, so it would be great to get a person in the city that who's charismatic and interesting that we could uh, talk with about what's going on in Fresno. I'll take that action item. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that action item. And um, thank you for actually bringing that up. For those of us that are in the little, the smaller communities, we're taking. Their example, I have a, I actually have an appointment to speak in front of the city council where I live, um, taking the points of what Fresno has already done and incorporating them in the smaller communities, you know, out here in the big wide world. So um, thank you for bringing that up. It's in a very, very important discussion. Yeah, I mean, I might not get a chance to join that discussion, but basically what I see, if you want to kind of take my opinion on it, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. we hear you great. Okay, uh, I see it addressing not just the problems of people who are uh, 
trying to find housing and looking for an affordable way to own something of their own and looking towards tiny houses and then running into the issue of where do I park these. I see it as solving some of their problems, but I also see it as really working in tandem with another factor in our country, which is struggling homeowners. And we have a lot of struggling homeowners. And we have this thing called the housing bubble that happened that created a huge amount more struggling homeowners. So now our economy is still, it's a little bit in recovery for sure, but there's still plenty of people out there that are barely being able to pay their mortgage that would love to be able to have a family with a tiny house move into their backyard. And it would ease their financial strain, it would ease the stress, it would provide a tiny house owner a place to park it in a place that they actually might want to live. So, and I think that that's really important because as we move forward, if tiny houses are only allowed in specific spaces, it's not really going to provide the same kind of solution that we need in a country in terms of our real housing solution. Right, I totally agree. Zach, what you know we do is put low-income people in specific spots. History has shown us that turns into a slum, and you can call it a slum or you can call it you know, any variety of labels, and they all end up coming out with a whole lot of stigma, yeah. and, and they're depressing places for people and their, and their environments that uh, perpetuate the cycle of poverty. Yeah. And I think um, we can do better, and I think tiny houses could be a really, really useful tool to break up the makeup of our cities and allow for Amen. people of lower income to move into better neighborhoods in a har- harmonious way that just benefits the entire society and doesn't bring along with it a lot of the negatives that people project at low-income housing. Right on. Yep. Yeah. Do you know really quickly if they've addressed one of the challenges we faced in Portland with ADUs and tiny houses is when ADUs, very small, have been built in, in the backyards, what the homeowners found the next year is tax bills just spiked. So anything they may have made up in rent got alleviated in increased tax bills. Do you know if Fresno dealt with that issue yet? I... No, okay. I don't know about that issue in terms of are these tiny houses on foundations or tiny houses on wheels? Uh, because I don't believe that Portland allows tiny houses on wheels. And I think the wheels, because it's not a permanent foundation, it makes the solution so much better for a lot of people. Um, and I don't think that it affects the same, it doesn't affect the property value the same way as a foundation home. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. And I think the here's, here's the real... The, the hook for it is that people on properties that have that are, are struggling to pay their mortgage, if they're looking for the property to kind of help itself out, their hands are tied because the only way that they can do it in a city like Seattle or Portland that's promoting secondary dwelling units is to go into construction, to go into more debt, to build a secondary dwelling unit on their property right. and then rent it out in the idea that this is going to provide relief. Right. And so by allowing people with homes on wheels to move them into the backyard now that same property owner has no upfront expense Uh, and can instantly start solving some of their financial stress that's a good point and i think it opens up the uh it opens up the process to people who need it as opposed to people who are looking to take advantage of it for financial benefit and that is the problem is when you have a scenario that says hey we need low-income housing, but the only people that are actually benefiting from it are the developers. Right. It's not going to solve the problem. Yeah. And 
and people with people that are struggling to to uh, pay their mortgage are and don't have to put in additional money up front for construction are in a position to offer a space to a tiny house owner at a much less cost right then if you have to go into this big construction loan all of a sudden you have overhead and you have to rent out that backyard for uh, $1,500 a month. Right. 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 Thank so, you. That's, thank you very much. We're, we're going to be respectful of your time frame here. I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, appreciate you bringing that up and advocating that ever the advocate there, Zach. Thank you so much. You are, you are a fantastic advocate for, for our movement. You're a wise carpenter. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is, I, are we talking to Jesus here? I, you know, guys, I, you guys are great. I mean, that's the thing about the tiny house movement is it's full of people who are just find, trying to find solutions for themselves and solutions for others and yeah. solutions for our planet. And we're all trying to work together. And I see it in the builders, and I see it in the homeowners, and you feel it in the jamboree. Hey, Amen. Awesome. Brother. And hopefully, you guys uh, do a great thing. We'll see you there. You. We'll see you in August. Like, yeah. All right. I'm not going to be able to hang out as much as I wish again. Yeah. But this time it's my cousin's fault. He's getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Hey, see ya. Travel safe. Travel, Travel safe. safe. And, and thank you uh, all to all our listeners. And tune in next week when we have our, our guest. We don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Travel safe, Zach. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 